Hello and welcome to uh, week eight of French Football Weekly podcast. And I can confirm we are the podcast that would absolutely don the gloves and go and goal if required. <laughs> My name is Chris and I am your host as usual. And I'm joined by Phil this week. Phil, how are you doing? I am well. I am still adoring the fact that when the uh, FFF put out a tweet saying, look who's first at the um, at the at the Clairefontaine meetup, and it was Giroud, and all of the responses were all about, he's our goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will definitely, if you haven't, I'm sure you've probably seen it by now, but we will certainly make reference to that uh, a little later on in the show if you don't know what we're talking about there so um stay tuned excellent right let's get into things then so we've been we've had quite a lot of stuff going on in the past weekend slash week because we're going to muddle in european uh, and uh, league and action kind of spliced together uh jez is away this week so um he'll be back with us probably after the international break so uh let's get into it so i wanted to start kind of almost in reverse order this week I wanted to start with psg and mm-hmm. uh, their their busy week. So um, winding the clock back, first of all, to this time last week when we wrapped up our podcast and we were talking about they had a big game ahead and you know, it would be a tough task going to Newcastle, et cetera, and so on. Uh, it proved to be a lot more than a tough task because they got absolutely slapped around by four goals to one. I'm pretty sure you saw this. I saw this as well. This was... Um, we, we've given them their flowers this season and we've given Luis Enrique certainly props on his turnaround to make PSG more likeable. This was very much a return to the old PSG, wasn't it? No midfield, no creativity, seemingly no Mbappe on the night and it just all went horribly wrong. What, what did you make of that performance? Oh, I think it's, it's slightly different from the old PSG when we're saying no midfield because... Luis Enrique played a 4-2-4 again. Mm. And while the two were Agate and Zaire Marie, who I think we all think are better than the two we played against Clermont, um, it still means that you're overrun in midfield and that it's very difficult to get things forward to the four world-class attackers that you've got up there. So... Newcastle basically um, ran riot, I think, uh, throughout this. And it was a very worrying look for PSG, who, as you say, we've given them flowers for looking more like a team. But if the team is set up to have kind of two bits of it not talking to each other, that's not going to work and given what Newcastle have got invested in this it was a particularly bad idea and this felt very much like I think a lot of people were thinking when Lance played Arsenal that Arsenal would win but the Lance atmosphere was a big part of them winning I remember us talking last week and I think me and Jess both said we thought it would be tricky and you thought PSG would win easily or am I mixing you up? No, I did, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. The Newcastle atmosphere was something that I think played a big part in this game 
So can't we got kind of two Champions League games that ended up being the other way around than we thought they were, but for kind of the same reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so Almiron put Newcastle ahead, then that Dan Byrne Man Mountain thing, and then Longstaff. And bear in mind, those are local lads, aren't they? Yep. It's like PSG struggles a bit with that and has always struggled with that. Um, Hernandez did get one back, but then uh, was it Fabian Scher with a, a late fourth? Yeah, it really was um, a shoeing, and yeah. I think a lot of that has to go down to the semi game because the four-two-four was set up. It clearly wasn't working, but then when he made the subs, he didn't actually change the tactical mm-hmm. shape. No. Shape of the team, he stuck with the 44, and it, that was not a good idea. And we saw at a Sunday night's game, he went back to the 433, which was like several days later than he needed to. Mm. I think that's that's so, the bit I didn't, that's yeah. the bit I didn't understand. It's it's like it's like Luis Enrique went full pep, and you should never go full pep. He's, it's almost like he overthought it, and it's like you know, you you train and play in a certain way, and I I wonder if the part of his change was this whole well the French league's no competition for them Europe is where it matters. I wonder if maybe he overthought that and thought oh well okay we're swatting aside teams in in the uh, although they're not but really. The and thing then, is, if they played forty four against Rennes, mm. they probably still would have won. I mean, at times last night, maybe we can pivot into that game last night. They won three one against Rand, as you said, and they were. It was it was a weird performance because at no time did I think Rand were out of the game, other than when they scored. But also, because weirdly, at no time were Rand playing very well. I know that. that I think um, Luis Enrique. I don't know if it was before or after the game. Said I think it was after. We have 11 defenders, 11 attackers, and that's how it's supposed to be. And it's like, well, you don't, though, because Mbappé's not going to drink back, Ramos ain't going to drink back, Dembele ain't going to drink back. I mean, you can't say that. You you just can't. And it felt like, I mean, last week he was blaming the pitch this week. Apparently, his post-match press conference lasted under four minutes, and that included everything having to be translated in each direction. The man is clearly not happy. Maybe he just doesn't like the press. Fair enough. But he he was not engaged in this in a good way. And Ren had had a, a bad... Thursday night game, they lost at Villarreal uh, 1-0 and you could see it it had taken it out of them because they just didn't look very organised at all and yet as you say, it still was never a walkover. Kenya scored first, that was lovely. That was a really good finish, yeah. yeah. Hakimi then scored and there's Conversations about handball, which are 
basically too boring to go into. Then Gawiri made it one two, and things and the the fans because it was at Ren, the fans kind of get back on it, and then two minutes later. They don't one up and Guiri's face when that happened was it was very much like for fuck's sake guys I'm doing all I can can somebody help me out here yeah Genesio as well he looked yeah. thoroughly pissed off with it all didn't it, he? Yeah. it was it was not good so the fact that Ren got out of that with a three one defeat as opposed to I was watching uh, Liquide du Soir last night with. Didier Roustan and um, many others. He was saying it could have been six, six, one, seven, two. Yeah, so many chances. In and, that half. and this is Kylian Mbappe's fourth goal without fourth game without a goal. Yeah. And while this wasn't, I'd say that problematic against Newcastle, him not scoring was problematic. That... So I, I think it is problematic, you know. What what do you make of him before we leave this game behind? I mean it it because he there were moments when he looked sharp. I mean the setup for the what yeah, proved to be outside goal I from think Colin Some people saying he's not fit. He does I look mean, a bit heavy, must admit. He's still I mean, bloody fast. Though I mean, he oh, was yeah. absolutely ruining Avignon and uh, etc. against against Ren. Yeah. Um. But against Ren, he was contributing, hmm. and I think the difference is against Newcastle, he wasn't. And oh, he checked out, what, didn't he? Yeah. That's what makes the difference. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just I just feel like he maybe needs a couple of goals in the in the France games, maybe upcoming or a couple of good performances. And and I don't I may be wrong on this, but I don't think there was ever a an official announcement that he'd even sort of signed or extended that deal. I think I think they just had the talks. I don't think anything has actually been signed. And I just wonder if there is one of these situations where Arsenal had it with Fabregas years ago where it's like, you know, give us one more year and then you can go where you want. And whilst the parties agree to it, it never quite works out in terms of the, the performances inevitably are just not quite with the heart in it. And then Mbappe to me looked yeah. like a guy last night who was a bit like, well, we've won, that's good. But yeah, I don't know, there's just something about it's, him. It's body it's like a lot of people are saying he didn't have a proper pre-season because he was... Sure. Home, he didn't go to Japan. He was playing with the reserves. Yeah, it doesn't help. Well, no, it doesn't. But also, we're a bit of the way into the season now. It should be working. I mean, yeah, it was. It was an odd game. It was odd. I mean, it was nice to see um, Steph Mandanda putting in yeah. a, another good show. That man has still got some Marseille in him. As yeah, he was having a good time. Does not he? like PSG to get better on, but no. um, yeah, it was it was not the best match on either side, yeah. and Ren are probably grateful it wasn't worse, and PSG are probably confused it wasn't better, and 
that is a great way to go into an international break where everyone's got a lot of time to think about all of those things. Yeah, yeah, very true, yeah. And uh, obviously ran off the back of, like you say, that defeat of Villarreal where poor old Martin Terrier made his return and, and subsequently missed yes, the late that was the, the roar when that happened. Yeah. And his name being chanted around the stadium. That's the kind of thing where you can tell you're innocent, you've got a proper football club there. Yeah. They were absolutely delighted to see him back, as are we all, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's he's massive to their to their season, both at home and in Europe. I think if he can he's gonna take a few weeks to get up to speed. Of course, I think he got fit then got the flu, so he's still coming back to match fitness and everything. It will take him a few weeks. But yeah, if he can get up to speed because um, Ren did look a little bit short up front. Callum Wendo hasn't quite hit the ground running this season either. So, yeah, I think there's more to come from from Ren potentially. And uh, PSG, yep, they do indeed uh, go on. Um, and Hakimi, stats-wise, has, has produced quite a lot from that right-back area. It feels like those full-backs are quite key to, to PSG moving forwards. Uh, but um, nevertheless, a good win for them. Uh, let's move on. To a couple of other games, uh, we haven't we haven't touched on dear old uh, Leon for a, a few weeks, and I did just want to uh, briefly pick over this one because it it did end in a three three draw on Sunday between uh, Leon and, and Lorient. I must admit, yes, I well, they they have um, beaten the stat you keep going on about because for about half an hour they were ahead. They were leading, yes, absolutely, yeah, yeah. They uh, they did fall behind to. To Krupe and then equalised through. Uh, well, Lorient basically just fell apart for two minutes. Uh, Noama and Alex Lacazette returning got them two one in front. Leon, that is that they got a third right before half time. And I must confess, I kind of switched off at that point because Lorient were just being pulled apart uh, time and time again. But the second half changed and Krupe goes second, and uh, Yongwa equalised with ten minutes to go. And Lorient was a pretty good chance that they could have won it. Uh, Grosso's come out since and said. Um, if you think, well, basically, in the, the the translation was, if you don't think we're in a relegation scrap here, you 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 know you're in another world essentially, because mm-hmm. he has said that that is what they're in now. Is that a little bit of bravado, or I mean, because they they did look better I, with Lacazette, and they did look at least a bit more offensive in this game. But it's that defence that they just can't keep goals out, can they? Well, offensive, yes, in a manner of speaking. As I said, I was watching. Um, I was watching um, L'Equipe de Soir with uh, Didier Roustan. One of the guests was, uh, oh, man, his name has escaped me. You know, the the mad French manager who was into astrology and... Oh, uh, crikey. Former French national team. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know who you mean. I can't think of that. I can't place the name, but yeah. We're going to have to Google that quickly while I talk. Um, yeah. And he said we could be looking at Leon going down. Mm. And that was one of the things they put up for the vote. And 60% of the viewers agreed with him. And Grosso was very... Raymond Dominic, sorry. Dominic. <laughs> Clearly, That's... he and Gustav uh, do not get on. Um, no. Anyway, uh, 
Yes, when you look at it and Grosso after the match was, as you say, he was very um, clear. We are, mm. we are playing to maintain and mm. was to stay up. And I think on one hand, that's kind of good because I think in previous years when a big team has gone down, They've realised too late that they're in that kind of battle. But also, it's possibly not very good because you're saying, look, we're fighting for our lives here at this point in the season. And I know what you say about Lacazette coming back. Obviously, he scored two goals, one of them a penalty, but... His goals. <laughs> it's his goals, at least. It's it's the up and down. I mean, he missed the last game because he was suspended. You can't rely on him. No. It's become very, very difficult. I mean, Talisa was bad. Yeah. He um, looks like a player really shorn of confidence, isn't he? Yeah. Well, just that he wants it all to stop. Yeah, and I think this is because obviously Lorient, as well know, have not been fabulous. No, um, for them to come back away to equalise after being three-one down is, you know, I mean that's not a good look, really. So. I think Leon's problems will continue. And again, they've now got a week and a half, two weeks to just stew in that. And I'm not sure that's a particularly positive situation for them to be in either. I, I weirdly feel like that might help them. And purely from, okay, I agree with you, it's not an ideal thing to stew on, but I do feel like it at least gives Grosso a chance to get some of his messages across because you know what we say yeah. about managers coming in and not having time to really embed the team we're seeing that with Gattuso as well I think he had a week didn't he and now the benefits of what happened at the weekend shown through with him there so yeah I do feel that but yeah I mean make no bones about it fair play to Lorient for coming back and I'm, I'm very pleased with the point having been 3-1 down but uh, in the nicest possible way and I love them dearly. Lorient are, are not a good side this year and, and we're struggling. So for Leon, I think they would have looked at this game and thought, yeah, we can win this. And at 3-1 up, they should have won it. And they missed three or four chances to go 4 or 5-1 as well. So I think it's, uh, well, at least 4-1. Um, I think it's a point drop for them and we'll see what Grosso can do after the break. Two clubs that uh, certainly is no issue with winning at the moment are Rams and Monaco. Uh, the, the wheel still train did uh, stop at the station on um, on Friday night as Monaco did get the win uh, Saturday night. Sorry, as Monaco did get the win by three goals to one. I don't think Rams will be. You know, I don't think it will massively affect them in terms of they know their level. But for Monaco's point of view, um, Jacobs, Flo Balogun, and, and Ben Yedder with the third before Teddy Tumor, the, the Maltese legend, loving got a penalty back. But those three goals really sort of put Monaco. They they look good, don't they? I know we've been saying it for a few weeks now, but they're the this is the sort of game they wouldn't have won last season. And their goal, I think their goal difference is plus 21 now. I think it's something ridiculous. They are scoring goals and they're plus currently a point 10. clear at the top. Say again. Plus 10. They've plus scored 10. 21. Sorry, scored their 21. goal difference is 
plus 10. I mean, plus 10, even, even that is pretty decent. And I think what I like about Monaco is there's an enthusiasm, there's an effervescence about their side and that it, it's, it's almost the great thing and also the thing that might undo them maybe in the long run in that there's a lot of youth there. There is some experience, but there's a lot of youth, which is I great. I think we know that. when you look at um, their strongest periods, it was around half-time, both before and after. So Jakob scored on 42. Balogun scored pretty much straight after the restart. And then Wissam Ben that's still on bail, by the way, yeah. uh, got one three minutes later. So it was very much a kind of time-targeted attack Mm. Uh, that they pulled off there. And yeah. so that's something, obviously, if you can do it to order, it's great. Mm. Um, yes, Tuma got one back uh, a bit later on. There was still a lot of the game to play, and it kind of fizzled out a bit after that. Mm. But um, I think Monaco are playing as well as what you were saying about there's the vibe and everything, they're also a bit more realistic, mm. I think. Um, and that means that they are able to manage games better. Um, and yes, they're top of the table at the moment and look like if they can keep that organisation and that realism together, Mm. then that will be something that keeps going. So I think it's it was an interesting game. I mean, Raz, we know are good, but I think this was kind of a step too far. Yeah. But they're still looking like, you know, they could boss, beat up a couple of the other top half teams. Mm. Um, so that will be that will be something something to watch. I mean, Lyon, yes, but also Lille. And um, making sort of stamping their mark on things. I'm, I mean, we all love Will Still and his um, non-functioning kind of coaching card. Um, I think, I think he knows now. which which matches to target. Yeah, I I, f I feel like they could get into Europe. I feel like they could be this year's yeah, yeah. side that no one sort of sees coming. And and in a weird way, and I, sorry to any Raz fans listening, I don't want to take your manager away, but it does feel like still might be there for if they have another successful season or maybe even go one step further this year and get into Europe. I feel like that might be the trigger for quote unquote bigger clubs to come shopping for him. And maybe that might be a nice way to to part ways if he was to go and get a bigger job by getting them into Europe. So uh, equally, he could end up sticking around and and doing a bit of a lance with them and taking them into Europe as well. Yeah, but, well, I think yeah. that was what we liked about Lance is that we were worried that Frank Hez was going to leave. Mm. But he hasn't, and things are still going well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely are on the upward curve, um, which we'll we'll touch on for sure. But yeah, good good result for Monaco, and they are absolutely. Uh, Huta seems to have done a really good job there, and I think they're still a work in progress. But it kind of excites me to see what's to come for Monaco because if they can sustain this, I mean, their next three fixtures: home to Metz, away to Lille, home to Brest. Um, before they go, actually, then away to Love, then away to PSG. I feel like that PSG game in late November is going to tell us quite a lot about where Monaco are at the moment. But um, yeah, there's some, some winnable fixtures in in what's to come for them. 
uh, just just behind Monaco, we, we've seen Nice have uh, gone out in on their own in seconds now, uh, if that's the right terminology to use. Again, flying under the radar a little bit. Yes, it was another win away from home against the side that are struggling, sorry, Jez, in, in Mets. And it was only a 1-0 win, Bradawi with the goal. But it was once again a performance that I don't think we'd have got from Nice of last year uh, under the new coach very early in. It was um, it was a very sort of succinct uh, performance. You know, they did what they needed to do. They got the goal, they took the points. That was it. It wasn't a spectacular as, as game. We've said a couple of times. I think they've worked out how to score now. Yeah, and maybe it's not by large margins, but they can also depend on their defence a lot. You got Dante Todibo. Um, and Bulka and goal. So mm. having a 1-0 win is okay. I mean, it mm. doesn't feel as nervy as it would if you were, say, my team, come on to them later. <laughs> so I think, yes, they they are keeping things moving in the right direction. And as you say, are in second place, and still uh, the only team yet to lose uh, yeah, this true. season. So that tells you a lot about, you know, they're up there with scored nine, conceded four. Yeah. Um, that's the best defence in the league. Yeah. I mean, they are, I think, um, we're going to see a lot of one nils from this, yeah. but they're going to be on the right end of most of them. Yeah, and that's maybe what they needed as well after the yeah. amount of goals they shipped last season. And um, again, it's not saying that there's going to be a title race or anything of the likes, but it does appear like Nice have finally got a sustainable project in place anyway. Um, we had a derby as well. We had Lons against Lille on Sunday. That ended in a 1-1 draw. Uh, probably a better point this for Lons because Lille did have the lead through Benjamin Andre, who suddenly decided he's going to score goals this season before uh, Machado, the goal-scoring fullback, levelled for Lens. Um, point of peace in a derby, J- just sort of briefly, it does kind of suggest that Lens are turning things around now, doesn't it? I mean, they're up to 14th, there's no great shakes, but eight points, you know, a couple of decent results and that European game in in, in sandwich yeah, in the as, middle. As, as we said at the beginning when things were looking bad, this looks like a slow start that they can recover from. And I yeah. think we're seeing the recovery now also with, you know, four points in Europe. They've got two wins and a draw in the last three games in the league. Yeah. I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, it was just, I think, a bit of a shock to the system. Yeah. Um, having to deal with the pendant not being there and, Fana not being that he was back to take the um, yeah, I saw that ceremonial yeah. kickoff, yeah, it's off the Lille fans even more. But obviously, the Lille fans had, should we say, something of a tricky week? Um, mm. Europa Conference thingy, what's it match away at the Faroe Islands? Goalless draw. I mean, mm. oh dear, I mean, that was a very changed team mm-hmm. but it was 13 shots for Lille to two for Klagsvik Klagsvik 
With the only ones to get a shot on target in the game, Lille did hit the woodwork twice, but Christ, that was not that was not good. So I think there was some maybe feeling that too many people had been changed uh, in that game and they did not uh, cover themselves in glory on that one. Because everyone keeps saying, is it um, Aston Villa who's in C4? And everyone keeps saying, they're the favourites. Lille should be going for this. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's, it's a cup, but I think it's more the end factor, isn't it? Yeah, they did seem not to have bothered with this one. It yeah. was particularly impressive. Took them for granted, maybe, because I, I think I read somewhere that Key are the first Faroe Isles, Faroe, Faroe side to take a point in any European competition. Yep. So, um, you know, that sort of says a lot. You are it? still playing against 11 footballers who are going to try. Oh, yeah. 100%. They're going to you try can't... more if they've never got a point before. Yeah. So I think, yeah. yes, Leal misjudged that one pretty badly. Yeah. Leal need to take a bit of stick for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, th- I, th- I get the impression just looking at a few Leal followers' sort of tweets and opinions. It, it does feel like there is a little bit of an impasse between the supporters and um, Fonseca. I, I know he stayed and he, you know, he's been fairly successful overall, but it feels like all is not quite well with their relationship at the moment. So, yeah, definitely uh, a bit of a dropped element there. As for Lons, by the way, and Lav away and sandwiched with PSV at home in the Champions League, then they've got Nantes at home, Laurie on the way before the other game with PSV. Again, a couple of winnable fixtures there for them potentially to go up that league. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they get on. Marseille also had a good week in terms of um, domestic and then a mixed week in Europe. They beat Love 3-0 at home on, on Sunday, which was not a lot really to say other than Aubameyang on the score sheet and Sar on the score sheet with a, an own goal from well, Sangante at the other end. But it was that game with Brighton that, uh, unfortunately, Jez was unable to be with us this week. But um, that was the game, wasn't it? 2-0 two nil, two nil up and seemingly in control and then Marseille going to Marseille and they kind of imploded and were rather fortunate, I thought, to not concede a third. Brighton certainly changed this game around. Um, Gattuso suggesting that they need to be fitter and they need to run harder, etc. and so on. But what did you make of their performances? Probably not the best one to judge on the weekend because Lava down well, to 10 men after, what, 18 minutes? Yeah, No, it was 40 minutes 40, that a guy got sent off and they were 2-1 up, 2-0 up at that point. Yeah. And given what had happened in the week against Brighton where they'd thrown away a 2-0 lead, you did kind of feel that they're sending off saved Marseille from a little bit of deja vu there. It did take a while. Um, Sars uh, got the third goal like five minutes from time. Mm. But everyone was very happy, which I think they needed. Um, But yes, the game against Brighton, I have to admit, when they went 2-0 up, in 20 minutes with two goals in two minutes, I actually turned over to watch something else because I figured 
Brighton didn't look good and this was going to be boring from then on in. Mm. And then checked the scores the next day and went, oh. Yeah. So Gross got one back and then it was a late penalty score by João Pedro. Um, two minutes from time that made it level for Brighton. Yeah. I was not seeing that coming. I mean, did you watch this match? I did, yeah, did... yeah. I I was half watching it, um, kind of like you. I when Marseille were two up, I was like, oh, that's probably game over. And but there were I don't know, there was just something in me that said, No, there's something in this for Brighton, and I, I did stick with it. So yeah, it was quite a good watch in the end. Yeah, I feel I feel bad about that because obviously we like to support Jazz. Yeah. Seagull based. I think he was quite happy overall with the experience. Yeah, and I think whatnot. so. But yeah. again, this showed Marseille's issues with keeping concentration. I think that was probably why they were happier with um, the weekend's results. It wasn't just the goals, it was that they didn't do anything stupid. Yeah. And that's, again, not a great kind of place to be. That It's like, we didn't do anything stupid. Hurrah! Yeah, well, I, uh, something I, 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 I spoke to Jez the next day about this, and I was asking him what, what it was like from his perspective seeing Marseille in the flesh, and he was saying that their, um, I'll use his term, their shithousery was, <laughs> Marseille's, he said, was, was pretty appalling. And he said that they tried everything to slow the game down at 2-0, you know, constant fouls, chirping at the referee, delaying kickoffs, etc. And he said, like, he said that definitely came across in the stadium as a Gattuso type thing. And part of me was like, oh, yeah, oh, gross. But then the other part of me went, yeah, that's, that's cool. almost exactly what Marseille need to do now. They need to be a bit more, because the old Marseille would just bomb on and concede two goals. And, you know, that was the old Marseille. I feel like they do need to be a bit more, we're 2-0 up, lads, let's just, kill the clock yeah, for a but bit they you know. then did concede two goals so yeah exactly yeah so it didn't really work not out working yet no still feels like a slightly imbalanced squad that as well there seems to be i don't know the midfield is a bit of an area of concern for me i think um if ranger and Veritu are not performing you haven't got a lot else there but yes we shall uh, see where they end up but a good result from them domestically at the weekend as well um couple of goal couple of games that we're not really going to go into in any depth um brest got a late equalizer to maintain their good start to the season after toulouse had gone ahead through marjorie uh equalized late on from uh, satriano 90 plus two equalizer well, there the thing was toulouse were defending really well yeah until injury time and yeah. then conceded that equalizer so again they had a bit of a narrow uh situation they were playing uh Linz, who i yeah. think are austrian yes Linz is torta. it's a cake yeah. isn't it yeah so they won one nil there so maybe they're happy with that because europa's okay but Liverpool yeah, back to back up isn't and it down yeah them, i think and for brest as well who obviously are as we suspected not keeping up the great form they had early on but are still up there and and still going to be troubling for anyone who who comes up against 
yeah, still well clear of any concerns that where we thought they'd be in the table anyway. Um, so yeah, yeah, agree with that. And and that also nicely brings on the final game to mention quickly, which was a two-one win for Nolt. Um, two teams going in opposite directions. Koko Mujasami, one back for Dion, very late, too little, too late. And Strasbourg are going in the opposite direction to to Nantes, Sorry, who uh, Nantes losing the game with Ren last week obviously was a, a setback, but to come back and win again, they're up to ninth. Um, meanwhile, Strasbourg fall to eleventh, so they are going in different directions there. And uh, yeah, I, I thought Nantes I, were. I think pretty that good. yeah, Strasbourg's. Um recent form doesn't look great but I think they're going to stay around mid-table and there's going to be a lot of jockeying for position yeah. in that kind of 8th to 12th yeah. um, section yeah so yeah yeah, feels feels like a feels like a good turnaround for Nantes, and um, as you say, I think Strasbourg. It's a work in progress. There's a lot going on there with the Chelsea partnership and all that going on. So yeah, you expect there'll probably be quite a lot of change in the, in the playing personnel in January as well. So yeah. that's interesting to keep an eye on with that one. Yes, but, I um, think the post Christmas we will have the let's let's have a turkey sandwich and Strasbourg have bought. Yeah. How many, how many of the 70 other clubs that are linked to this franchise can we move players on and around in, into? Yeah, exactly. We shall see. Um, one game that we've left out there was a game that you would have been quite invested <sighs> in, which which ultimately didn't end. And that was Montpellier 4, Clermont Foot 2, abandoned after 90 minutes um, due to a flare being thrown from the home support, which struck the uh, Claremont goalkeeper, Dior. Um, did you see Nicolas' comments about this? He did oh, not hold back, did he? No. And, um, and rightly was, so. This was something where somebody made the point that often in a situation like this, a president will say, but. Mm. We condemn this, but. And he <laughs> just came out and said, this guy's an arsehole. Mm. Um, it was unforgivable, and I think that tells you a bit about the feeling here. Mm. I mean, I was watching the multiplex, and obviously this match took up a, quite a lot of the multiplex because um, of everything that was going on. Mm. So what happened, basically, was that um, Montpellier went ahead through Altamari, the new striker. Manion equalised, and everyone went, Savanier scored a penalty to one Montpellier. Canate equalised just before half-time, so it's all getting very stressful. Shortly after half-time, Teshi scores another penalty, and Altamari got his second with about 15 minutes to go. So it was all very, um, uh, very tense, but that was looking good because also Montpellier had gone down to 10 men when uh, left-back um, Estev got sent off for a second yellow. Yeah. Um, kind of, again, shortly after the third goal. So things were all, it was all like, this is good. We've not thrown away a lead. 
even though we're down to 10 men. We're now 4-2 up. This is fine. And then it got into injury time. And they're using the word petar for what was thrown onto the pitch. Now, it's a bit difficult to um, translate, but it's basically, it's a firecracker, but it's a big one. And it's kind of like a flashback. So when it went off, which was basically two feet away from Moridiel, I mean, I've been significantly further away from one of these things when they go off and your ears are ringing and you don't really know what's going on. I mean, he hit the ground, was stretched off, and it was just utterly stupid. And I completely, um, you know, agree with what um, Nicolas said that the guy's an arsehole. You could see in the stands afterwards when this happened, the were the ultras were pointing. They were mm. pointing and saying it came from over there because they knew this was not fun. This was not, you know, no pyro, no party. This was daft. Mm. And so what we're facing now possibly is um, Montpellier will be called before the disciplinary committee on Wednesday, I think. Yep. We could be looking at uh, this game being given to Clermont. Yep. Or the only um, kind of uh, precedent we've got is a couple of years ago, it was a Mets game against Lyon, mm. and Lopez, I think, was hit by a flare, and yeah. that game was replayed, and Mets were docked two points. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Also, yeah. the person that threw that flare got six months. Found, mm. like, no probation, no nothing. And um, Montpellier have apparently put in uh, complaints, charges against the person who was arrested as a result of this. He was apparently drunk. You might think it was, was, uh, you know, expected. Mm. Uh, But, yes, I mean, this could turn what was a great performance Mm. and great character from Pellier against them. And one more thing to mention, um, Borges, Neto Borges, uh, one of the Clermont defenders, was actually sent off in the wake of all of this for giving the finger to the Etang de Tau, the uh, tribune uh, from which the projectile came. I mean, yeah. that has to be annulled. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, you can, um, I think originally they said he was saying, give them a red card. It's like, well, the reason you um, card players for waving an imaginary card is because they're trying to influence the referee. The referee cannot send off the home end in no. the stadium. I mean, it's completely reasonable. So I do hope that that is um, overturned because, yeah, there's nowhere that should stand. But I think in the chaos involved, the referee just didn't know quite what to do about the situation. No. And he might thought of he might have thought that 
you know, giving the finger to a bunch of fans who were already a bit angry. Inciting the crowd, it's yeah. Inciting, but mm. given that the crowd were pointing out the guy that needed to be arrested, I think I think yeah. we're good with that. So that's, yes, it will we will find out later in the week what's happened, but yeah. that's a really, really unfortunate turn of events. Given, given everything that's done, I mean, I think um, Italian Tower was all, all already under a suspended sentence for yeah. various bad behaviour last season, but this was different. It just goes. It just goes deeper than. There's so many issues here, isn't there? There, there's the whole. We had we had so many crowd issues last year in the game. It makes the league look bad. It therefore sullies the reputation of the league that's already you know still dubbed this farmers league or whatever that people want to say. That's up to them. Um, and and from a Montpellier perspective, it's just absolute madness. Like four two up, you know, a game that you're going to win. Realistically, now. I mean, I that man is not going back to the state. No, he's Even not. If, if he's got any brains, he's not going back to the state. No, no. The, the the fans, the ultras are furious, as they should imagine. Be, yeah. And I like say, Nicolas went on the radio. He actually called in, I think, to France Bleu, and called him an arsehole. Yeah, they're not welcome. And yeah. If he gets six months, that would seem fair. One thing I did uh, hear again from L'Equipe de Soir was uh, Ludovica Braniak is, is the former player they had on as, as a guest. And he was saying, as well as this, make it hit them in the wallet. If you throw anything onto the pitch, 10 grand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because to any normal thinking, person, that's a lot of money, isn't it? Uh, but, yeah. And I'll think I twice. think him saying that as a player yeah. is, is um, interesting as well. So we wait to see what happens. But I would guess it's going to be given to Clermont. They call yeah. it the green carpet, which is like a walkover, which means that a 4-2... What should have been a four-two victory with yeah. ten men defending like Spartans, yeah, will become a three-nil loss. And, and, and massive points for Clermont as well, potentially. You know, uh, for for Clermont, I mean, given that it happened in the ninety-first minute, there was two or three minutes left to play. Yeah. But you can't ask a team to continue playing when the goalkeeper is unavailable for no good reason. He wasn't yeah. injured Out in the control. game. Yeah. He was not senseless, it looks like, by something blowing up worse. next to him. I mean, yeah. he just couldn't continue. Could have been so I think worse. everybody accepts that. Yeah. But it's going to be, you know, uh, interesting to see what decision the um, disciplinary committee comes up with because yeah. can you, you know, um, can you target innocence for one person? Well, if that person is in your stand, yeah. then 
that's the only way you're going to learn. So it's yes. it's a it's a tricky tricky situation, but you know I think we're all just very grateful that Molly Diaw is okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should um, say that. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, which is um, but uh, like I say, it's not pleasant when one of those things goes off next to you and yeah. Yeah, could it, have been a lot it's, worse. It's lucky it wasn't worse. Like, I remember, do you remember the AC Milan goalkeeper Dida had one in the Champions League a few years, many years ago now? I think he got struck by one. Um, and he, he, I remember an interview afterwards, and he was saying he could easily have been blinded. You know, it's it, yeah, and if, and if you don't know what it is that, that is hit, you know, no, they the can they can going, blow out your eardrum or yeah, or in your face. Or I mean, it's very, very nasty stuff and it comes it comes down to that you know how to but how to behave at a sporting event thing if you went into mm. sainsbury's and threw a flare you know down the cereal aisle you'd be arrested instantly <laughs> wouldn't you like you just wouldn't but you wouldn't do that because it's madness and why would you why do you feel the need that you can do it at a football match it's like it's just crazy to me you know for your own fans as well like it's just if you yeah I think I'm, I'm not saying why... excuse it if you're losing but you know no, but if 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 you were losing, but it's like it's they a frustration were doing stupidity. really, really well. What the fuck do you think you were doing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just ridiculous. But Crazy. as I say, the Borges red card should be yeah should be taken off the table because there's yeah. no way that should no points. Points should go to Claremont. There should be a. I I personally think at least a two to three game stadium home or home supporters ban, and then the points should be uh, given to Claremont, and that red card should be expunged. I agree, but we will we'll obviously let you know uh, what happens when we know, uh, which will be in a few weeks' time. So well, you'd imagine anyway. Uh, so yeah, we will keep you posted on that one. Um, all of that done then for the weekend in Liga. That leaves the table. Looking a little like this, uh, Monaco are indeed top, uh, 17 points, they're one point clear of Nice in second, PSG a further point back in third, uh, technically level on points with Brest, who are also up there in fourth. Uh, Rams still in fifth, despite their defeat with Marseille, Lille, Rennes, Nantes and Toulouse making up the top 10. And then down at the bottom, Clermont are technically still bottom at the moment, but obviously if they do get those points, they will... Well, they'll go up one place, basically, but they are still struggling at the bottom with two points at the moment. Uh, Leon not much better. Three points from eight games for them. Uh, Lorient have now dropped into the relegation playoff spot in 16th on seven with uh, Metz, Lens, Love, Montpellier, Strasbourg and Toulouse. Oh, up to Toulouse. And that's up to 10th. So uh, and obviously Montpellier, if they do lo- lose those three points, they potentially would go back to six points, which would drop them into that relegation spot. So, yeah, um, we no, should see No, nine is what they had going into the game. Oh, sorry, you're absolutely right. Yes, I am. Looking, yes, sorry, they you're absolutely right. They haven't, they haven't added they, anything. They haven't put the, yeah. the points onto the table, have they? Yeah, apologies. So, yeah, so just to clarify, if Claremont are given the points, they will go up to five they'll points. They'll hop up. And they'll go 17th. And, yeah, if Montpellier's result stands, they could go... Ooh, all the way up to six potentially, but as I said, I don't think that's going to happen. Good Ooh. stuff. Okie dokie. Uh, just before we go, um, we are probably going to, much like the domestic clubs, take the international break off. So we will more than likely not be here next week unless anything absolutely dramatic happens, like, I don't know, Olivier Giroud goes in goal again. Um, but France are playing 
two games whilst we're away. Uh, I think I'm right in saying, Phil, it's the Netherlands in the, I guess that's World Cup qualifiers. I presume it's World Cup qualifiers. Euro qualifiers. Oh, it's Euro. Of course it is. Sorry, it's Euro qualifiers. And then uh, they play a friendly the following week. On Tuesday against Scotland. Yes. I did see the squad. I see Saliba's pulled out, which from an Arsenal perspective, I'm absolutely delighted about because he needs a rest. Um, Jean-Claude Tadebo's come in. So Jonathan Klaus has been recalled to the squad as well. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, it's kind of as you were. At um, Yeah, I think fair to say that game with the Netherlands, that obviously that's the big one, isn't it? I think I'm right in saying if France win that, that guarantees them top spot. I'm just going to check that now, but I think I'm right in saying They are. It. I think um, Netherlands have a game in hand because of ah. the confusing situation with stuff. Okay, um, okay. I'm just looking at the so groups now. Maybe not yet, but yes, it would be very helpful, obviously. Yeah, so you're right. Netherlands do have a game in hand. So France are currently top of Group B on 15 points from five games played. So if they beat the Netherlands, they would go up to 18, which would mean Netherlands couldn't actually catch them. So they would be qualified. It would just be a question of whether they'd finish top or not, um, because the rest of the group, Greece, have also got nine points, but they are a game ahead of the Netherlands. And then Ireland back on three points, Gibraltar back on naught. I don't realistically think either of those two are going to go on a win streak. In fact, I think there's only what one game left for both of those anyway. So, yeah, France are through, shall we say. It's just a question of whether they secure top spot with that win over the Netherlands or not. In fact, even a draw would do it, wouldn't it? they go to 16 points and the Netherlands would have 10 with one to play. So, yeah, France should be fine, home and dry in that one. And I'm guessing the Scotland game, it's just going to be a case of give a few people a run, isn't it, realistically? And not really sure Deschamps going to learn too much from oh, that game. Does Deschamps give people a run? I mean, I mean he plays yeah. a fringe squad here and there. I, I could see a few coming in. You'd probably think Colomarni would get a game. You'd imagine PSG would ask for Mbappe to have a bit of a rest in the second game as well. So maybe we'll see a few. Um, maybe that's the game that Klaus comes in for, Todibo, etc. So, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like if he's ever going to give players a game, it's going to be this one. But um, I know what you're saying. Um, what did you make of Giroud's heroics then? That was quite quite the interesting affair with Manuel. And then the reserve goalkeeper was also sent off for Milan at the weekend. And uh, Big Ollie stepped in and um, he's had a lovely bit of banter with the uh, Claire Fontaine uh, arrivals today, hasn't he? I've seen a few clips of him. Yeah, and in. I think uh, Milan have actually listed him as a goalkeeper on their website. Yeah. And- are going to be selling goalkeeper's shirts with his name on the back. So, I mean, you know, the man is now, what, mid-30s? So just having the time of his life in this has to be up there with, I think, uh, any strikers. Well, you look at his... I mean, when he looks uh, back at his career, I mean, winning the league with Montpellier is one thing, like, you know... No disrespect to Montpellier, but a very un- un- unexpected title win there uh-huh. to ach- achieve what he achieved with Arsenal, to be France's all-time go- top goal scorer. He's won World Cups, Euros, and he's won a Scudetto with Milan. I mean, there's it, not much he hasn't done, is there, realistically? I think he's... Uh, yeah. uh, and being that handsome as well, what a bonus. I mean, he's um, he's having a lovely old time, to be fair, and strikes me as quite a likeable chap as well. I've not had the pleasure of his company, but... Yeah, yeah just... maybe a couple of 
couple of um, slightly dodgy missteps. Yeah. Uh, a few hotel visits that maybe we don't yeah. speak of, but yeah, other but than no, that. Um, he seems like a lovely guy. He does, he does do a lot for charity. He does. Um, yeah. And yet he turns up doing things you wouldn't expect for charity, mm. not just kind of visiting kids in the wards, but, you know, he does more more things than I think we'd expect. And, yeah, it was it was great to see that. I mean, the actual save, in the comedy he <laughs> made, was very much... To burn yourself, yourself into into the middle of things and just bat like a cat. Yeah, uh, but it worked, and God bless him for actually having the moxie to do that. So yeah, that often, was that was a, a special moment over the weekend. I often feel feel a bit for referees in that situation because technically, if you watch the clip again, he, he kind of clears everybody out. And I think if a normal goalkeeper does that, it's probably given as a foul. But I almost feel like referees sort of almost go, well, yeah, we can't really give a foul there, can we, kind of thing. So, no, heroics um, for, for Olivier. And he will, of course, be in that French squad moving forwards uh, for those fixtures. So, good stuff. Right. I think that is where we will draw a line under this week then. Um, as I said, we will be taking a week off next week. Um, mainly Jez is away uh, for a couple of um, couple of days next week as well, so uh, Phil and I just thought it seems like a good time to to have a little relax ourselves with a few bits and bobs coming up as well. So, yeah, we're just going to take a week off, and of course, we will address the the France games in the following week, um, and hopefully, we'll get to hear some of Jez's audio from the velodrome last week as well. So, we'll catch up on that. Don't fear, but uh, yeah, just in case we are missing, then you know why. All right. Good stuff. Uh, Phil, thank you very much for stepping in today uh, in the absence of a three-party three, three party pod. we've I think we've done pretty well as a, as a two-party pod, so thank you very much for today. Thank you. And uh, as I say, we will be back in a fortnight's time. Uh, good luck to France, um, at all levels, I should say, under-21s as well. And uh, we will be back in a fortnight's time, or we'll be back into league on action. I think that's the last international break then until 2024. So, uh, I hope so. God, yeah, there's nothing. International competitions, fantastic. Friendlies and qualifiers, no thank you. Anyway, uh, whatever you're doing, if you are a follower of French football in general, you can put your feet up if you only like the domestic game. But if you're a Les Bleu fan, get behind the boys as always. Enjoy your French football and we'll speak to you in a fortnight's time.